As Utah begins the first round of administering the COVID-19 vaccine, there are many with common questions or concerns. We sat down with Dr. David Cope to discuss some of these frequently asked questions about the COVID-19 vaccine on this bonus episode of The Daily Diagnosis. Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. I'm Parker Shaw, and with the help of my team and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Hi, everybody. This is Parker from Ogden Clinic. I am joined today by Dr. David Cope for a COVID-19 update. It's been a little while since we've done one of these, but with a lot of the recent updates that we have with coronavirus in the state, but also with the coronavirus vaccine, we wanted to touch base with Dr. Cope, who's been on before, to answer uh, or ask a couple questions that we've had from audience members and people on our social media pages. And Dr. Cope, how are you today? It's good to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you. I'm doing well, thanks. Perfect. And for those people that are just tuning in, can you give us a little bit of your background and let us know where you're, you're tuning in from today, Dr. Cope? Well, I'm a family medicine physician in Bountiful, Bountiful, Utah, and um, I'm here in my clinic, and I've uh, been practicing for 30 years um, family medicine. I developed an interest in vaccines many years ago and did a vaccine science fellowship and did some work on the pertussis working group with the CDC, Um, but it's become a pet project. Perfect. Well, thanks for um, jumping into that a little bit. And um, we're super happy again to have you on. So Dr. Cope, we wanted to just jump right into these questions. We have a few that we wanted to ask today. Um, and I think some of them will address some of the common concerns that people do have with the coronavirus vaccine. Um, we are really excited that, you know, there's been some headway with that in the state of Utah. Um, recently, you know, with that has come a lot of doubt and questions. And one of those is that the vaccine was created really quickly, especially compared to other vaccines. And some people might think of that and consider it unsafe because of the speed at which it was, you know, able to be made. Um, is this something that people should be concerned about? You know, the bottom line is absolutely not, really should not be. It's a, it's truly exciting how this happened. And from the science point, there weren't any corners cut or shortcuts taken. It was really that Operation Warp Speed that we hear about was to facilitate all the background, all the supportive administrative and logistical things to make it happen and to cut through a lot of the red tape. And a lot of it was the financing to make sure it got paid for. And so all the protocols, the 30,000 people in the Pfizer study and the 35,000 people in the uh, Moderna study and the 70,000 people in Johnson Johnson, that's similar, very similar, if not bigger numbers than we usually get in vaccine studies. So there, there really isn't a question about the science behind it. It's been very encouraging. Good. Well, I, I think, you know, it is encouraging to hear that and to hear that, you know, we actually, it's it's nice to think about it also just in the, in the fact that we live in a time and an age where you know, we have advancements in technology and advanced forms of communication to be able to, you know, hopefully get those answers faster. And um, it's just, in my eyes, a, a big, a big step that we've taken in a really positive direction. So um, if you don't mind me asking, do you have any idea of what the process of creating a vaccine and getting it approved looks like the procedure side of things? 
Well, as you can imagine, it's very complex, um, very complex. There's a lot of steps from the time that they start to develop it. And that's one of the exciting things about this, the messenger RNA vaccine that, that was developed when they first got the genetic code from uh, China in January. They, they sat around the table and said, okay, what are we going to do to get a vaccine um, as quick as we can that's most effective, that's most safe? And so it was very deliberate thinking process to talk about the mRNA vaccine. And from that point, the government stepped in and said, we need to get this fast. What can we do to support it? And a lot of it was the finances because the private companies didn't weren't able to take the financial risk for it. So with that financial support from the government, um, they started the process of setting up protocols and then setting up trials. There's a phase one, two, and three trials where that's first the theoretical part of it when they think through, okay, what needs to be, how does this messenger RNA need to be modified so it codes the right um, spike protein when it's introduced and what do we do to make sure it's not too reactogenic. And so they think through that science part of it and then they start the trials in mice and they start the trials um, in the Petri dish and then they apply them to people. And, um, and obviously that just takes a while. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I think it, you know, I don't think it should go unrecognized that even though it's been, you know, something that's been super fast um, in its development, it still has taken um, time and, and has gone through the proper protocol to get here, correct? Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, so I think, you know, we've been hearing about for months, you know, the different phases that each company's vaccine has gone through. And, you know, the idea that, you know, those are going through, you know, tests and trials and, and subjects and, you know, looking at that now and we're in a point where we can safely say it's it's good and good and able to use. I think that's pretty remarkable. Okay, so another question that I wanted to ask is one that I actually saw um, within some questions that were on the CDC's website um, about um, if there's been a coronavirus that's been developed before and if there's anything, you know, if that relates to how um, we know the coronavirus that we'll be working with, you know, if it works similarly. Do you have any background on that? Um, well, yeah, they, they, there's a lot of vaccines that have been developed that haven't been released because there's just such a limited market for it. So one of the downsides with private enterprises that they have to have some foundation to get their return on investment. And so when they're making something, they have to have enough people to give it to you to justify the expense and going about it. But the mRNA vaccines themselves have been around, at least in theory and in practice, for 30 years, um, since the early 1990s. And they've developed other coronavirus. So the sort of two different things, mRNA is the big change here um, with the two new vaccines, um, but that foundation was set 30 years ago. And then the coronavirus, like um, like you know, with the um, SIRS and MERS vaccines, um, there's been a lot of work on those. Um, so this was really just changing a little piece of that genetic code um, in that antigen that's being given um, to make it apply for the COVID, for the SARS now instead of the Mediterranean fever one in the, um, in the SARS. Okay, so they're kind of, um, it's almost like using a, a similar template in, yeah. in its creation. Obviously, it's different in a lot of different ways, but um, it's, you know, those, the existence of those has definitely probably helped in the creation of this. The for sure. the foundation of knowledge and experience that those and the other MRA and all come together. And that's why 
part of the reason they were able to do it in 10 months. That's awesome. Very cool. Okay, so one question that, you know, I actually was interested in and asked some family and friends, um, you know, what questions do you have about the COVID-19 vaccine? And one that um, was asked to me is if not everybody gets it, will the vaccine be effective? You know, that's a very good question. And every vaccine is different. Um, we've been spoiled lately because our our vaccines have been very effective. The new shingles vaccine is 99% effective. It's it's one of the most effective ones. And if you get the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine after two doses, it's 99% effective. So very, very effective. And how effective a vaccine will be in a community and for an individual is largely dependent on on the effectiveness of the vaccine itself, what kind of immune response it provides, and then also the herd immunity, what portion of a population gets it. So if a vaccine isn't as effective, then you need more people vaccinated. If a vaccine is very effective, you don't need quite as many people vaccinated. And it really is just the more people that are vaccinated set up those stumbling blocks for a, vac for a virus to get into a community. And so, we with the 95 percent you know this data that we just got very recently how effective it is that lowers that threshold so we probably need about 75 percent of the population vaccinated to provide widespread immunity that means that most people are going to be immune because they won't those who didn't get the vaccine will be will be sheltered from being exposed to the virus and so they'll be protected that way so interesting It'll it'll still help if fewer people are vaccinated, but we definitely need more. The more, the better. Definitely, and I think that makes sense. Um, but I think you know there that question just comes to play a little bit, just because I think there is a lot of you know people up in the air and and maybe a little nervous about it. Um, but I think it sounds like it is. You know, ninety five percent is a really great effective rate for uh, for a vaccine. If, am I correct in saying that? Huge. I, I think. We often think vaccines are better than that because we just assume they are. But, you know, the technology over the years hasn't been what it is now. And so they've definitely gotten better. Um, so 95% is extremely good. Awesome. That's great. Okay. And this is just um, a random question. Is there any idea what the cost will be for the vaccine that you know about? Uh, direct costs or indirect costs? <laughs> that's a good, good differentiation <laughs> yeah no that's true well and that's the reason the vaccine is being provided by the government free because the government's paid for it that's part of the operation war spree is millions and literally billions of dollars have been paid to the pharmaceutical companies and buying up 100 million doses at a time of the vaccines and so um, they're being paid for by the government and then will be given to people for free the vaccine itself, there's certainly some question of the administration costs. And so whatever organization that actually gives you the shot in the arm, they could be charging for that. And there's some um, there's some rules about that, how much they can charge you. But the vaccine itself will be free. OK, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think that probably has to, you know, take into consideration insurance and coverage and that sort of thing as well, I, I would assume. Yeah, right. So even if it's a $10 administration fee, your insurance should, most people's insurance would cover that. Um, and so that'd be totally free, um, given Good. the vaccine itself is free and then the administration be covered. Okay, 
Cool. That's interesting. And All right. Also, sorry. There's also with the um, the CARES Act, the they cover the vaccine administration. So even if you're an organization charged you and you didn't have insurance, it'd probably get paid for under that CARES Act. Okay. I think that's great to know for those that it applies to. All right, so we know that the vaccine is already being delivered and administered to frontline workers here in Utah. Um, is there kind of a timeline as to when it would be available to members of the public? Well, I get that asked all the time, and I wish I knew exactly when it's going to be. It really is so dependent on how many doses we get. We know that um, 40 million doses have been promised <clears throat> before the end of December for the United States and 70 million by the end of January, and we're getting about 220,000 of the doses for Utah by the end of this month. And it really is going down that cascade of the highest risk person, the healthcare workers and the extended care facility folks. And once they've gotten it, then moving on to the next. So however many we get, we'll fill up that. I think for most people, my information is probably the same as what they hear on the news that by April or May, for sure by May and June, everybody who wants one will have been able to get one. Um, March and April should be big times when we're getting a lot. And a lot of that will have to do with Johnson & Johnson if they come online and AstraZeneca the same. Yeah, so there would just be more availability if those, um, those providers um, add their <laughs> vaccines to the ones that are available currently, correct? That's correct. Perfect. That's correct. Well, that well, that's great. Well, I mean, it, even though it seems kind of far away, I mean, it is just a few months, but I think it's nice to see that we, we already kind of seeing the first um, fruits of those, you know, vaccines being being administered. And it's kind of cool. I feel like a very <laughs> historic day indeed um, to see those being administered here in Utah. Um, are there any known side effects of the vaccine? Yeah, the, the downside to, um, to these more effective vaccines is they're a little bit more reactogenic and that's sort of what you want the body to do is to react to what's happening so it builds up the immune response and we know that that these vaccines have a little bit more side effects than most other vaccines we get so about 40 or 50 percent of people should expect to have some kind of something mostly it's just a sore and a red arm where it actually is causing that tissue reaction but it could be muscle aches and pains and even a low-grade fever and a headache. Those will be less common. Um, diarrhea and abdominal pain. The, the studies have shown those incidences are just a little bit higher than placebo because it's always fascinating to me that in the studies where um, th those people that got the placebo still had side effects um, and sometimes significantly, like 14% had diarrhea. Um, so they're it's hard to know what's from what, but right. it will be a little bit more reactogenic. And it's a little bit more with the second dose than it is the first dose, which is sort right. of effect. These first right. two, you know, require two doses, either 21 or 28 days apart. And then the other ones that may come online soon will just be one dose. All right. That's interesting. Yeah, I've heard that. And some of the companies, um, or excuse me, some of the hospitals and administration are opting to um, vaccinate uh, over the weekend in case it does kind of have um, a, a little bit of a toll on, you know, 
their 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 employees' health. But um, I really don't think. I uh, really hope that you know that is a minimum when it does come to administering the vaccine. I think if anybody has gotten the shingle shot, they'll know what that's like. It's the next day you feel like, oh, I'm getting something, and the next day you're fine again. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's not bad. There aren't any serious side effects. I think we heard in the news about the two folks who had had a previous history of severe allergic reactions, and, and that was out of hundreds of thousands of doses that we're getting. There were two people that had reactions to it, and those were unique, and they're looking into it, but there's no expectation that it's going to be widespread. That's great. Well, I think that's really just positive, knowing that there it does have such a great, you know, it has a lot going for it, it sounds like. And with all those test subjects that they've been able to use, it sounds like it's going to be super successful, and we're excited for it. Um, is there anything additional you'd want to add before we wrap up today, Dr. Cope? Um. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to say something. I just wrap up by saying that nothing's perfect and we're always going to try and find some holes, but um, this is our best hope of of getting over the hump and seeing some light at the end of the tunnel or whatever analogy you want to draw. This is, like you said, it's a, a great day in history, a momentous occasion, and I, I really hope people see it for what it's worth. It's It's not a government conspiracy. It's not anybody trying to force anything on anybody. It's just trying to get through a difficult time. And if there's any telltale sign, it's that the societies of infectious diseases and the American medical, everybody supports us wholeheartedly and physicians and healthcare providers are gonna be at the front of the line getting the vaccine. Um, and we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't think it was safe for everybody. Right, I, to I completely agree. And I think that was, I'm so glad that you added that because I think a lot of people have maybe lost sight of that a little bit that, you know, this is for the greater good of this, you know, terrible time we've been going through. And um, I do really see it as that as something that can be a viable solution for this hard year that we've gone through. And hopefully we can really see things turn around here soon as um, the vaccine is administered and available to more and more people. And th so thank you so much for coming on today, Dr. Cope, and talking about those different questions that we had for you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Parker. Perfect. Well, for everybody that's tuned in today, this has again been Dr. David Cope from Cope Family Medicine, one of our family medicine providers here in Bountiful, Utah. Um, for more information about coronavirus or um, any other topics involving the things that we've talked about today, feel free to visit us at augmentclinic.com. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you would like to find more information about Ogden Clinic, our providers, or locations, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. If you're listening today from Apple Podcasts app, make sure you leave us a review or subscribe so you can receive more information about the different episodes that we post. We love getting feedback from our audience, so those reviews are priceless to us. If you also would like to shout us out on social media, our Instagram handle is at Ogden Clinic. You can also send us a DM if there's a topic that you would like our providers to cover, and we really look forward to hearing from you. We post episodes weekly, so tune in next week, and we can't wait to be with you again. Have a great week.